What's up, podcast audience? This life ain't for everybody. Awesome episode today. We got the Jack coming up, the prestigious Jack. Probably the most prestigious barbecue pitmaster competition in the world. Held every October in the great town of Lynchburg, Tennessee. We're going to be there again. It was awesome being there last year with my man Tuffy Stone, Brad, getting basted. Uh, he's the returning grand champion. He'll be competing again. He just won Memphis in May. He just won the pork at the Kansas City Royal. He's on a roll. My guest today is on a roll, too. Christy Vanover won Indio in California. She's from Las Vegas, Nevada. Her She got qualified and picked to compete in her very first jack this season. And I'm excited for her. Um, Girls Can Grill is her company. She's a great instructor. She's very humble. And uh, getting to hang out with her and her sister last year up on Barbecue Hill in Lynchburg during the Jack last October of 2021. I learned a lot about her. She's a great person. You've heard her here before at This Life Ain't For Everybody. And uh, we're proud to have her back. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is brought to you by the one and only the old number seven Tennessee Sour Mash Whiskey, Jack Daniels. Please enjoy it responsibly. Never, ever allow underage drinking. We love Jack Daniels. They just came out with the new Bonded, the new Triple Mash. They just announced the new Rise, both recipes by Miss Lexi Phillip and her awesome husband, Josh Phillips. We're excited to try those when we get to Lynchburg. But the whole selection from the old number seven to the Gentleman Jack to the single barrel to the flavors of Tennessee Fire, Tennessee Honey, and Tennessee Apple, the Sinatra, the Gold, everything they do. It's just the culture, the brand. It's iconic. Again, enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. Everything in moderation. It's This Life Ain't For Everybody. Our guest is the awesome, the powerful Christy Vanover, her first Jack. She's a pit master. She's an absolute badass. We're proud to have her here. Today's episode of the podcast is also brought to you by Flask Cap. You got to check these cups out. The Matic 6, the Matic 9, the party button. These tumbler cups will keep your drink ice down cold. Keep your ice in your mixer in the cup. In the top of your Matic lids, you're going to have your spirit. We choose Jack Daniels, obviously. Six ounces in the Matic 6, nine ounces in the Matic 9 with one push of that fun button one shot is dispersed down into your mixer with your ice again two but two pushes of that button is going to have two shots in there so be careful but hey you don't want glass on a boat you don't want glass on a beach a lot of beaches like in california aren't even allowing glass anymore so you could have your spirits in this awesome state-of-the-art design patented lid technology of the flask capmatic six or nine again that fun button is pushed the the spirit is dispensed down into your mixer and ice a couple shakes of the cup you have yourself an adult beverage enjoy that responsibly Lean on Flask Cap. Unbelievable new products coming out this year. I just had a big conference call with the president and CEO, Mr. Drew. I'm proud to be friends with this man. He's innovative. He's an entre- uh, uh, just an awesome entrepreneur. And we're fired up for the future with Flask Cap. F-L-A-S-K-A-P. Check them out. Get your Tumblr. Get your Matic 6, your Matic 9 cup. We got an exclusive going on with the brand new Foul Life series at FlaskCap.com right now. Today's episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody is also brought to you by Sig Sauer. We believe in having fun. We believe in working hard. We believe in protecting our families, our homes, our our communities. We want to be safe. We want to be secure. We want to live long, just, just fun, 
beneficial lives to everybody. We want to give. We want to leave a lasting legacy and impression on everybody that we come in contact with. We know we make mistakes in life, but it's our goal to make better versions of ourselves every day. But we want to be protected, and that's where Sig Sauer comes in. We believe in our Second Amendment rights, and we believe in Sig Sauer, their innovation, their design, their engineering, every single thing they're doing in handguns and performance. They're just an amazing brand, an amazing company. The, the proofs in the pudding, guys and girls, just get one of these weapons. And again, it's responsibility. It's about your CCW. It's about training. It's about confidence, about respect for the weapon, and obviously understanding what that weapon is to be used for. We believe in the Second Amendment, like I said before, and thank you, Sig Sauer, for being a presenting sponsor of This Life Ain't For Everybody. I'm Chad Belding. My guest today, again, on This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast is Christy Vanover. She's getting ready to compete in her very first Jack, the Jack Daniel barbecue championships in lynchburg tennessee held every october we're on our way down there in just a couple days can't wait to get down there i hope you all enjoy christy vanover so like are you non-stop practicing right now no i don't actually really practice a lot for me it's more about having my list in order like i know it works i just have to have my timelines my list and all my ingredients in order so I, i'm practicing chicken breast because we don't usually cook white meat um and then my ancillaries but not not the rest of the meats I kind of have those as good as my, as I'm going to get in my guess. <laughs> Are you going with your, just like your trusty, I guess, uh, approach as far as the preparation of the meat? Like last year at the Jack, there was so much, you know, different, so many different styles, so much different flair that was being put on. There's barrel cookers, there was traditional smokers, there's uh, just charcoal, there was wood, there was everything going on. Do you go with your gut on that? Do you go with what you've proven yourself with in the past? Or um, do you kind of go unorthodox and say, well, I think this might be what the Jack needs this year? A little of both. So I mainly ride my, what I know works at this altitude that we're going to be at, which is about 800 elevation, 800 feet, um, because I cook at all sorts of different altitudes. Um, and I know we're going to be in a more humid environment um, compared to out here where I live in Vegas. So I'm making adjustments for that. Um, and then I'm also making adjustments for judging based on my five years of listening to what the judges like and don't like. Um, so I'm making a few tweaks for that too. And do you think that your experience as a judge has given you um, some confidence, but maybe a little bit of an upper hand of of being able to put, you know, plates of the pulled pork or the ribs or the chicken, the brisket in front of judges, knowing what their expectations are? Absolutely. Because the one complaint that we hear year after year comes in the brisket category. And so being a judge and having heard that feedback every single year, um, I've been adjusting my uh, brisket and testing it out a few different ways so I can kind of meet what the judges have been desiring that they haven't been getting. And most of the teams don't have that feedback because they're not in a judge's tent. So, yeah. So you can't give me any of that insight unless I promise not to air this until after the jack. <laughs> huh? um, I think at this point it's going to be hard for people to know, but I mean, I can give little hints of it, but yeah, I'm not going to give my whole, whole upper hand. <laughs> we talked about that before Christy of what judges, how hard is it to, to pick because all of these pit masters can make barbecue taste good. Yeah. That might be a little bit of exaggeration, but I think when you get to the level of being in, invited to the Jack, I mean, mm -hmm. when you're competing with the likenesses of Tuffy stone, who's won it three times, the six time world champion. I mean, how, how difficult is for a judge? Like how, how, how trained does your palate have to be? 
Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely, it's you're, I'm mainly giving nines when I'm a judge. Very rarely do I go lower than that. It really is a tenderness game. Um, flavor profiles are usually pretty pleasing. You know, they do vary. Some are a little spicier, some are a little sweeter. Um, and so I, you know, I don't usually dock down much for taste because they're usually all pretty pleasant. It really comes down to the tenderness and if they nail the tenderness or not, and these teams usually do. So I know the scores are always so tight and so close. It's It'll be fun with the international teams though. We didn't have them last year, um, but when I judged them before COVID, they definitely had different flavor profiles. Um, how they built their boxes were a little bit different than what you traditionally see by the US cooks. Um, although I think they've also evolved. I think barbecue in general has evolved worldwide so they're probably doing boxes a little more similarly now than to what you know what they did a couple years ago but um yeah it's always fun to judge international especially when it comes to the hometown category where they like one year we had meat that i don't even know what it was it could have been goat it could have been camel like i don't even know it was something from that represented their country and yeah we just went with it (laughs) just went with it so how what did tell me how this happens now uh, since I saw you last, you're a judge in the 2021 Jack in Lynchburg. Um, you go back to Vegas and you go on a tear of of winning the qualifications needed to be invited to the Jack. How does it happen? How do you get qualified for the 2022 Jack in Lynchburg? And, and, and how did you find out that you made it and what was the overall feeling of that? Yeah. So in order to even qualify for the Jack, you have to win a grand championship. I had not won a grand championship until November, 2021. And I didn't know I was going to win at the time. I kept getting calls in the different categories. And then it was down to, I think like a 10th of a point between myself and the second place team. And, and I got the call that I won the jacket. I mean, that I won, excuse me, that I won um, Indio, the California comp. And honestly, I started crying because the first thing that I thought in my mind was, holy smokes, I have a chance to cook at the Jack now. And it's been a dream to cook at the Jack for five years. I immediately called my sister, told her, let her know that, you know, I had a chance, but the chance was slim because there's 11 California state championships and I only won one of those. So you get your bung thrown into the barrel and they basically draw out one of those 11 teams. And I didn't know, you know, I, there's no guarantee I was going to be that one of 11. So I went on actually in May to win the Nevada state championship. And there was only one Nevada state championship, which means there's only one bung for Nevada. So I did get that automatic draw by winning Nevada. So that, but until you actually hear it, when they make the announcement and you're on the list on the, on the website, you know, it, it doesn't really quite sink in. But then once it did, it was like, holy smokes. And now I've already won another competition this year, which will be for Jack 2023. Um, But again, it was in California. So I'll be one out of, you know, 11 teams or 12 teams again to go for the draw. So I'll keep cooking though in 20, this 2022, 2023 season to keep trying to come back. Wait, explain that to me. You, you, you already won a qualifier for 2023 Jack. Yes. You're automatically in the Jack next year too now. Not automatically. I have a bung that'll be in the draw. Yeah. 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 And now there is a, I have a high chance because they always, they'll draw the bungs. And if every state's not represented, so let's say they drew the bungs for California and I didn't get the draw, but I'm a team based out of Nevada. If no other Nevada team got a draw, then they'll leave it to the Nevada teams that are left to, they'll draw from those. And so far, I'm the only Nevada team that's won. I was also the only Nevada team that won in 2020, this 2021 season. So if no other teams, there's like all these different nuances, ways that we can we can get in. So my chances are still pretty good. You know, I've got the California draw, but I've got the Nevada hometown advantage right now. So we'll see. But one jack at a time. <laughs> so when you when you're talking about um, 
qualify, and I, I want to stay on that for a second. What sure. What do you think were your standouts in Indio, and how how do you think you won that? What were uh, you know? What did you feel like after you were awarded the Grand Championship that gave you that that you know that title? I would say there's two things. Um, so in order to win any championship, you've got to be consistent in all four meat categories. So for years, I was really decent in brisket. I was good in chicken. My pork was doing better, but my ribs, I kept struggling in. So I talked to a couple of guys who cook on the circuit who've done really well and got some pointers from them. Um, and basically, I just wasn't cooking them long enough. I, you know, you don't want it to be too tender. You don't want to be fall off the bone for a competition. Um, and I was just going too shy of that. Um, I needed to push them, push them a little bit longer. So they were getting tighter. So I made some adjustments on my ribs. Um, I can't remember what I placed in ribs, but, but that definitely brought my overall score up. And then the other thing is we were kind of out in the boonies in that competition. And it was, it was really nice out in the grass. And I was just not stressed. I was like, just following my timelines, really relaxed and in the zone. And that was the least amount of stress that I've ever had at a competition. And I was just comfortable in doing my thing. And at the end of the day, I was like, you know what, that, that went really well. I wasn't overthinking things. I was just cooking. I was just feeling, feeling the barbecue and just cooking and, and it did well. And so now at future comps, I've won two more times since then, just got second last weekend. Um, same thing. If I start to get into my stress, into my head, then my family's like, okay, stop, take a breath, step outside, do whatever you need to do. And then just get back into your comfort zone of loving to cook barbecue and and that's it's worked for me i, I know that sounds kind of silly um but i just go with go with the flow and go with what i know and what feels right and again finding that consistency with getting my ribs up there that's really helped with my overall scores so will you take the exact same approach in the recipe part i know that you're going to mess with your temperatures and you're going to take into consideration the humidity and the altitude and all that in lynchburg but when you're there in a couple of weeks christy will your recipes and your approach with whether you injected the meat whether you dry rub the meat what what were the ingredients and in all of the different dry rubs or marinades or brines or injections um will it be the exact same as indio was with the results that you got there Yep, pretty much. I, I've been running those same flavor profiles now um, for like four or five more competitions, and they've been doing well for me. I, I mean, the key with anything at a competition is you just don't want to be so spicy that you burn their taste buds, burn the judges' taste buds, you know, where they can't appreciate anything else. But you also don't want to be so bland that, you know, that you don't stand out because you are you get one chance. So, um, yes, I will run the same flavor profiles, and then I've got a few different finishing rubs. So I'll taste my meat after it's cooked. I learned that from Tuffy is like you can adjust the flavor at the end so if it needs a little salt or something then then i'll hit it at the end with a little pop of flavor but other than that yeah same i'm injecting all my meats um smoking them hot and fast basically 275 to 300 degrees um and then holding them saucing them and making them pretty in a box <laughs> wait you're you're smoking them hot and fast and then and then letting them sit on a lower temperature is your approach most of the time um, just sit in my Cambro. So in my, basically a Cambro is like a cooler without ice. Um, so I just basically let them rest in the pans off the heat of the grill, but in the Cambro until it's time to slice them and serve them. How stressed out do you get as far as the the start times of your meats? And are you going too much with, with um, you know, a lot of people are like, well, if it's a brisket, I got to get up this early. I got to have my wood on. I got to be doing this. How stressful does that become for a pit master of missing that bell or making your, do you even get any sleep at all? Can you sleep comfortably or does anxiety sit in too much that you can't miss that one bit or the rest of the day shot? Well, you definitely got to hit your marks. Um, I'm really lucky that my husband lights my pits. So depending on the altitude depends on what time we need to light them. So like my first pit, if I'm at a 
high altitude, we light them at 3.30 in the morning. If I'm at a lower altitude, um, which will be at the jack, it's usually like a 4 or 4.30 in the morning. So we, we, we won't miss that mark. I mean, we got like three alarms set to make sure, and then we'll get that going. And now I have had stress before when I've been at high altitude, didn't give my pit enough time to run clean. And then I had my brisket got put on late, but I, I don't think we'll run into that problem. It's better to start early, um, which is what we do. So we allow ourselves enough time. Um, and then, yeah, just continue running my timelines. I have had situations where briskets have taken longer to cook than I expected. Um, so they don't get that hold time that I like. So after it cooks, I do like to rest it in the camera for an hour or so just to let the juices redistribute. So I'm not slicing it too early. And I've, and I've run into that before, but you know, we'll, we'll make up some cushion and time to account for that. It's better to have it rest longer. And then I would also say, as far as a nerve standpoint, I have it also have an advantage, even though I'm a first time cook at the Jack, because I've been there so many times, I'm not going to be starstruck. I mean, you, you know, if you're there for the first time and you see Tuffy and Chris and all these barbecue hall of famers for the first time, or you've got the parade, you've got barbecue Hill, which is a fun party. You've got all these things. I've fortunately experienced those things, even though it's my first time cooking. So I won't be enamored by all that. I'll, I'll definitely enjoy those things, but then I'm going to be back in the zone and ready to cook. Really? So right now you can tell me that the intimidation factor is out the door because you've been on the grounds, you've met these guys, you've judged these men and women. Now you're saying when you get up there and you're actually competing against them in your first ever Jack, you're going to be like, no problem at all. Tuffy's right over there. I don't care. I I'm saying that now, um, but I've, I've cooked against a lot of them on the circuit already. So, and they beat me. So I definitely know that the chances of me beating them is going to be hard, very, very hard. But my goal for every competition is have fun and get one call. So I go into that and I meet that goal, then things are going to be great. I know I'm going to have a blast. There's no doubt about it. That goal will be met. Um, now I definitely want one call. Now, honestly, if I were to GC or RGC, that's the ultimate dream. Um, but I know it's a tough playing field. But yeah, I don't, I don't feel, I don't feel intimidated. They'll cook their best meat. I'll cook my best meat. And is Chris who won it last year? Who you mentioned? Chris won it last year. Um, no, who, Brad. Brad and is it getting basted? Yeah, and then Joe uh, from Slaps took second. What kind of run has Brad been on this year since last year's Jack? Do you know? Do you follow all that? Yeah, sure good. Yeah, he just got first place in pork um, at the Royal. He won Memphis in May. Yeah, I mean, he's he's a baller. He's amazing. Um, I've taken his class, which is where I learned. I mean, that honestly changed my brisket game, his class. And then the first time I cooked against him after his class, I beat him in brisket. So that was pretty amazing. Wow. <laughs> so he's a teacher. <laughs> um, but he's consistent. That's the thing. They're Joe from Slaps and him, him. And I don't think Tuffy's cooking this year. I think he's judging and doing some other stuff. Um, but yeah, the big guys, that I mean, they're, they're good. And then there's going to be those teams I've never heard of or never cooked against who could also come in and win it. Like the, the team that just won the Royal won both days, the Open and the Invitational. I'd never heard of them before. And they took GC for both. So, you know, there's going to be a sleeper team out there that's going to do great too. Do you feel like... Um when you come up against somebody that's been on a run like Brad has, is it just kind of like facing a undisputed champion of the world or, you know, a boxer or a baseball team? I mean, anybody can win on any given day, but is, is in barbecue, is it so close that any, any minuscule amount of flavor missed or the wrong, the temperature in the meat or the presentation to the judges can be off a little bit, but what is it about him 
that makes him what you call a quote unquote baller and consistently winning. Like he just won Memphis in May. That's a big competition. The Royals, one of the top three. I don't know how he's ever done in Houston, but he won the Jack last year. Like what makes it to where somebody can come in there and whip up on everybody so consistently um, when it's barbecue? I mean, there's a lot of barbecue that tastes good. What is Brad doing that sets him apart? Well, I would say it, it, partially comes down to the sauces and the, and the rubs that he's using. So he and shake and bake. So together they do blues hog that that's who competed in Memphis in May was blues hog. And they use the blues hog line of products. And actually a lot of teams at the Jack use them as well, because sitting next to judges, they've said, Oh, this tastes like blues hog. Oh, this tastes like blues hog. Like you just know that flavor profile of their sauces and Tennessee red. Um, and they win They're successful sauces. I mean, they do really well as do Cosmos and others. Um, but he, he not only knows how to use those flavor profiles, but he just nails that tenderness and it does come down to minuscule things. It was either, um, Travis Clark who won, I think it was in 2019 or Darren Worth, who's also won. Um, one of them told me that it's appearance. You have to have perfect appearance on everything. You've got to have straight nines from your six judges for your boxes. If you even slightly mess up and have, an off-colored rib or something that looks odd and you get an eight, that could cost you a world championship. So control all the things that you know you can control, which appearance, I can control that. I can make sure I don't have a jaggedy looking brisket slice in the box. I can make that look really good. And then it's and then it's the taste and tenderness game. And unfortunately with tenderness, you don't really know until it's time to put it in the box and you're slicing and saucing and tasting. Um, either you hit or you didn't hit. There's really not much wiggle room, nothing you can go back to fix on that. but. But with flavor profile, as I mentioned, like Tuffy said, you can you can add more salt, add more sweetness, add whatever. But yeah, Brad just he's got the formula. He just he's good. He knows he knows what works and he hits his tenderness. And what's really cool is how he seems really humble and really willing to get all of those guys do like Tuffy's won it so much and he's just always giving information out and, and trying to help. And I mean, I'm sure he holds back some things, but it's it, it's really cool to see how much they're willing to help. Um, and and, and, you know, they're giving up their secrets a lot. And I guess it's just like, Hey, when I, they go into competition, they, they elevate themselves obviously. And so do you, you're on a roll right now too. What, what will the day, what will the week look like? You're going to take off from Vegas. Are you driving out? Do you pull a trailer? Do you, do you drive out and prepare mentally the entire drive from Nevada? You'll be on I 40 headed East into Nashville from Oklahoma, Texas area. Um, How, how does it, how does it lay out from here on out getting prepared for the Jack? Yeah. So we're finishing packing up today. I'm actually going to do a little bit of meat trim today, throw it in the freezer, which I don't usually do. I usually trim and keep everything fresh, but I am going to pre-do some stuff. And so that will be a little bit different. Um, but yeah, we actually leave out tomorrow, four days of driving. Um, we're going to set up Wednesday. That's the earliest they allow you to set up. So we want to get set up and in place because Thursday is our busy day of enjoying Lynchburg. We've got Miss Mary Bobo's. We've got the distillery tour. Um, Tuffy's got a dinner that night, which we're going to. So there's, there's a lot of things going on Thursday and then Friday we'll really be in the zone. There's a new um, cocktail contest that we're going to be doing. Um, so we'll be entering that contest. Um, and then we've got the parade of course, and barbecue Hill, but Going in, I've I've got like I said, I'm I'm so OCD. I've got my timelines all squared away. I know every minute when I need to be doing things. I've tested my dessert recipe. I've tested my cook's choice recipe. Um, I know my four meats, you know, like the back of my hand. So that's not a problem. But yeah, it's just it's just checking my timelines day of and making sure I've got all my ingredients and should be should be pretty good. There's one grocery run we'll have to do, but other than that, we're ready. 
All right, what internal temp does a rib want to be when the judge bites into it? Oh gosh, that's a good question. Like, um, you know, it really depends. I pull it off the grill at like 208 to 211, depending on altitude. Um, but it's, I'm not really pulling it off so much at probe temp. I mean, I do probe it, but it's more about the feel. And that's something I learned from Brad. Like you want to lift it up and you want it to bend to the point where it almost cracks. And that's when, you know, it's nice and tender. So it's not so much about the temperature that they're biting it at because it sits, you know, it sits in the camera or it sits on the counter. So the temperature is going to drop. It's more so the temperature that you pull it off the grill at. So it doesn't matter. So when the judge bites into it, and obviously the texture and the bite and not the meat not falling off the bone, I've learned all this being around pit masters like yourself and, you know, a lot of home cookers, backyard aficionados think, man, them ribs fell right off the bone and they do taste good. And so, but that's not a competition rib. That's not what you want, but it doesn't matter when the judge bites into it. Can it even be a little bit cooler than what an enjoyable rib would be edible at? I mean, I want it to be hot. I want them to bite it and it's warm and like they're at a restaurant and they got a good slab of ribs. I definitely don't want it to be like two room temperature. So there's things, that's why we keep them in the Cambro, um, put them in our, when we put it in our box to run that, we keep it in a kind of a hot hold environment until we actually get it on the table. So that as they as they bite into it, it's still warm and hopefully juicy, um, but it's, I don't have an actual probe temp to like say, you know, I want it to be at 150 or, or higher or anything like that, but try to keep it warm for him but i don't know maybe that's a secret that brad has and maybe that's why he wins you know <laughs> i don't know it seems to me like you would want to make sure that judge is biting into that meat at the perfect temperature to get i don't know though like brisket's a tricky one too because you pull it off at 205 or 202 then you let it cool to 140 or 150 and then you then you slide like there's all these tricks that that right. Not a lot of people follow um, um, unless they've really studied Pitmaster and, and barbecuing. I think that the best meat that I've ever had is when I do follow the instructions. Like you're like you've talked about taking classes from Brad and when I'm cooked with Tuffy or I've cooked with Chad Ward or some of the guys that I've done on the Traeger team. Man, I've learned so much that makes the meal and the experience so much more enjoyable than just thinking like, well, it's a three, two, one rib, which are good. You know, they can be good, but there's just such a, a better experience in a lot of the different techniques that pitmasters use and so when you're in lynchburg christy do you do you your schedule is boom 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 once the competition starts how how does that first day lay out your husband gets up and he starts the wood is this on he starts your fire on thursday or on friday Friday, uh, no, Saturday morning, actually. Saturday morning. So the first three days you're there is just set up, prep, fun, get all that out of the way like you're talking about. Yeah. And then after the barbecue hill party on Friday night, you got to leave early that night. You got to get in bed. You got to, your husband's got to be ready to light the fire. Yeah. You get down on your knees, you say your bedtime prayers, and now it's time for Saturday morning to roll around. How does that day start? What is the order of the food and what are the time limits? Once you start your ribs or the first meet, talk to me in the audience a little bit about when does the the walk to the judges take place for each of the meats yeah sure so like i said we start our pits around 4 4 30 um we, i'm cooking on barrel drums um so that'll be the pit the first pit and that's um the pork pit so pork goes on first usually around 5 5 30 um as the pork's going on we're lighting the rib or the brisket pit that goes on about six o'clock or so then we're lighting the ribs pit um but one little added thing to this comp that's not usually in any other comps is we've got the cook's choice so usually the chicken gets turned in first at 12 
this time it's different. It's going to be 1230 for chicken, which has forced us to all adjust our timelines by 30 minutes to account for that change compared to normal comp. Cook's choice, um, I can't really share what I'm doing so that it's blind to the judges, but I'm barbecuing some meat basically. Um, and so we've got a fourth pit. I usually cook on three pits, three drums. I've got a fourth drum. So that'll get lit early in the morning too. So got to get that one cooked turned in at 12 and then chicken. What's funny is that chicken is the last one that goes on. It goes on at like nine 30 or 10 and usually gets turned in at 12. Um, it's the first one, last one on first one turned in, but you know, chicken fowl doesn't take very long to, to cook. So, um, and then yeah, ribs go on. I can't even remember off the top of my head, like eight 30 or nine. Um, and they get turned in for this comp, they'll get turned in at one. So turn-ins will start at 1130 with sauce. And then we got cook's choice, chicken, ribs, pork, brisket, and then dessert, which is at 2.30, I think. Um, so seven different turn-ins throughout a couple hour period. How long do you would you tell the audience, Ms. Christie, that it's taken you to get to this point of, of being confident to turn these four meats into judges that have no idea who you are personally? Some of them might, but how long does it get to the point, this point in a career to where you can see the grand championships coming, getting an invitation to the Jack, the prestigious Jack. How long would it take me if I started right now? Depends on, I mean, it, that always depends on individuals. Like to me, it took four years. Well, I, yeah, I started cooking in May of 2017 at a competition here in Nevada. And I just won that competition for the first time in May of 2022. So, but uh, this is what I do. This is like my life. I study, I'm constantly learning. I'm making friends with pit masters and I'm asking them what they do and I'm happy to share what I do. Um, so, and I've always been a competitive person, especially in individual sports. I've been a gymnast, a diver, um, state champion in both of those. And I've, I like sports where it's actually all falls on me. I mean, even though I have my team of support, um, because it, it just makes me drive really, really hard and do the best that I can do. So it depends if you really want to go balls to the wall and try really hard and be dedicated and study, you know, you could probably a couple years, three, three to five years, probably start winning your GCs. Um, but if you just want to do it for fun and kind of, you know, just relax and cook every now and then, then it's going to take you a little bit longer. I have a kind of an issue with what you're telling me about this, this rub that Brad's using and his ingredients. If other teams are using this, there's a lot of things, I guess, that you could say, all right, well, that's the same rubs, but he might be adding a little bit more flavor to it when it, when it goes on, who knows, but I still have an issue that he's winning all of these competitions, but everybody else can use his same flavor profiles. There's got to be something in the there. Is it the wood? Is it the barrel? There's got to be. You got to tell me something here of how a guy or a team can win so much if other people are using the same exact flavors. Well, let me put it to you in a in a way that I can relate from a from a diver being a diver. We could wear the same swimsuit, but it doesn't mean we're going to get the same scores. <laughs> like it's basically he's we're cooking with the same things, but he's got the finesse and the understanding of the meat, the altitude, the pits he's using, how his smoke burns, the wood he's using, that he's able to take the exact same product. You know, you could tell two people to do the exact same thing because he's taught me. I mean, he probably does keep hold a few things back, but he's taught me things. And then it it has upped my game, but I'm sure he still has that extra little, little something out there. So so going into the jack, you're a diver, you're a gymnast, you're a competitor, you've you've competed in individual sports, you do have a team around you, but just like wrestling, I mean, you could have a team and you train in the gym every day, you get out there on the mat, it's, you know, it's mono-y-mono. Mono. Um, barbecue is, 
you do have a team that helps you cut and they're getting the meat prepped and your husband's lighting the fire and doing all the stuff. But really it comes down to what your vision is and what your flavor profiles are. What are your goals for the Jack? I know that your goals are winning it, but what would make this a success in year number one, your first prestigious Jack competition in Lynchburg, Tennessee? Have you thought about that? Like if I do this, 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 and this, or just this, what makes it it's just being there good enough. It can't be good enough because you've already, you've already proven yourself as a pit master, a worthy pit master. Like what's yeah. going to make this like a legit, a legitimate, you know, celebration. Um, taking home a barrel head. So the top, uh, honestly getting a call, which is top 10 in any category would be, would be amazing. That's like, that's like my baby goal, but taking home a barrel head, which is top five in any category that would be like, I may cry. I'm a girl. I mean, I, <laughs> but like, just because I've been trying so hard to get to this point, like taking home at least one barrel head would, would be money. Um, and what does that mean? Um, so that means placing t- in the top five in the world in any of the single, any of the categories. So chicken, pork, brisket, sauce, cook's choice or dessert. So when they correct me if I'm wrong, Christy, but in the judges tent at the end and the trophy celebration and presentation, are the top 10 called in each, each meet? Yep. yep. That's right. So top 10, if I get a top 10 call, that's great. And I get a ribbon for 10 through sixth place. Um, and how many teams are there? Sorry to interrupt you. I think there's 80 something this year, if I'm not mistaken. That's 60, pretty good. 10 yeah, out of 80. Five or so us. And then like a 20 or so international. Do you, do you feel like, um, is there a reason to call the top 10? Why so many get called? Oh, at the, at the Royal, they call 20, but there are a lot more teams cooking the Royal. Um, so they call 20. I think, there's that, like... I think it's just traditional. Like that's, you know, the, the teams cook, they put in a lot of money, a lot of effort. And so I think recognizing them down to at least 10th, if not 15th or 20th is, is it, even if you're not walking home with money, if you just know like, okay, I put in this work and it's, you know, pat on the back for the good job that, that you did. That's it. It just means something, even if it's just a ribbon, um, and to uh, none of us really probably, I, I can think I can say this fairly that none of us really do this for the money because the amount of money that you take home never covers the expenses of, you know, uh, everything that you put into it for the most part. I mean, granted winning the Jack that that will cover some expenses, but gas alone for us will probably be like $8,000 just to get there and back the way gas prices are. Cause we are taking two vehicles, um, my truck with my trailer and then my in-laws come with the RV. So yeah, gas is going to be crazy. So are are you trying to hint to me that your new restaurant will be opening soon? Cuz I mean isn't that the next isn't that the next step to showcase your talents as a pitmaster is to let people come and enjoy it daily? You know, everyone has different goals. For me it's not a restaurant. Um I've talked to enough restaurant owners to know that it's owning a restaurant is managing people and that's I like to cook and so what I, and I like to teach. So for me it's continuing to compete and then sharing what I learned through my website, girls can grill through my social media. So other people might want to get into the sport or even just cook in their backyards and, and share that. So that's, that's my goal more than a, more than a restaurant. What will you be cooking on? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah. So I'm cooking on Hunsaker drums. So they're 55 gallon barrel drums um, that have the charcoal basically at the bottom Hunsaker actually Hunsaker is going to be there because he's donating the drums to the international teams. So those who travel, you know, from overseas don't come with their pits usually. Um, so he's donating some drums uh, and they're going to be sweet. They're going to be painted black and have the Jack logo and stuff on them. But Oh, nice. What drums does Brad use? Are they the same? 
Yeah, no, he uses Gateway. So same, similar setup, basically 55 gallon drums. His have pipes on the side where the intake and exhaust and stuff happens. So the airflow is a little bit different in them, but they cook pretty similarly. If I said to you that I'm a pretty qualified pit master and I feel pretty confident in my four meets also, what one would you pick to go up, up to, against me without knowing my style at all that brisket. you know you'll that you'll kick my butt in no matter what? Brisket. Brisket. Yes. That really? I, yeah. So brisket's the hardest meat to cook. It's the hardest meat to get right. I mean, it's it's challenging. And so I have like spent my barbecue career trying to perfect my brisket and I make a pretty mean brisket and I use my brisket rub. Um, so my flavor profile is not the same as Brad's on that one. I use my own brisket rub that I've got through Spiceology and um, just got second place last weekend and second place, I think, uh, two weeks before that. So would you send me some? I'm not going to ever compete against you. Can I get some of that? Can I buy it? Can you give me some? I want to yeah. try brisket with it. Okay. Hey, yeah. what is what is pastrami and what is pastrami? Pastrami is smoked corned beef brisket. I I just got back from New York City yesterday and I went to Katz's Deli. Um, K-A-T-Z. Well, from there it's actually not brisket brisket cut. From there it's actually going to be the navel, the beef navel. That's what they use there. Which is kind of kind of kind of brisket but it's like the the pre like it was so good like i was like this is killing me like i gotta get this recipe i watched them like let me watch them you know get the meat out and bring it over to the cutting boards and i was just like man either everything is so consistent and so perfect with that brisket but you're saying it's a little bit better cut than it's kind of like the rib cap on a on on, i had it's like pork belly, but it's beef belly. So it's that fattier piece of meat that's down there, like where you would get bacon. And they even make beef bacon, but it's really hard for a retail consumer to buy beef navel. Um, you'd have to get it through a wholesaler or a different way. But yeah. Have you been there? Have you been to Katz's? I have not. You got to go. I know. <laughs> and then I went to I went to Newsarets too. You know, the Salt Bay guy with the, the salt oh, on the yeah. elbow guy. Yeah. I went to his restaurant and did the bone-in ribeye uh, tomahawk. I did the rib cap, the lamb chops, and I'm talking like amazing. Yeah. Their preparation, legit beef and, and lamb. Nice. It was really good. I wish you the best of luck. Thank you. I appreciate it. I think you're going to win. I think you're going to come home with one of the top <laughs> fives barrel heads for sure. I I'll be there. I get there on Thursday, so I'll be there celebrating with you. Awesome. I am going to miss being up on Barbecue Hill in the Airstreams. Like that's, that's one yeah. factor that I'll miss, but that's okay. Being in Weissman Park cooking is irreplaceable. I can't wait to watch it. I'll come around and say hello to you. Don't be like putting your nose in the air and acting like you don't remember me now that you're one of the contestants down there now. Christy. I absolutely won't. I'll pour you a glass of whiskey. <laughs> I can't wait to have one with you. So here's what we're going to do when, after the Jack's complete, let's come back on, talk about the experience, talk about the results, okay. talk about the nerves and just your whole approach and how, how you can't wait to get back. Um, answer, let's end it by this. Um, being the four years into this now, 2017 is your first competition. Is there a more prestigious competition than this? Is, is, why is Memphis in May or the Royal or the Kansas City Royal or the Houston? Um, there's a lot of other competitions, but why is this one so elevated? I think the reason that the Jack is the most prestigious world championship in barbecue is two. There's two reasons. One, it's, it's so hard to get into. So like in, for instance, the, um, the Royal, if you win a grand championship, you can automatically compete or you can cook in the open and anybody can just go to that one. Um, Memphis in May. Um, I mean, that one's, that one is legit too. It's just a completely different type of environment, but the Jack 
to cook at it, you actually have to not only win a world or win a state championship, but then you have to go through the, the challenge of the bung draw. And then on top of all that, once you get there, just the whole environment of the Jack is so different from anything like the Royal, like the Royal is on a, you know, on the Kansas city speedway, it's like this huge paved parking lot, but the Jack, you know, you drive in the rustling autumn leaves, you've got the aroma of mash in the air. And then just, you know, it's always misty or rainy or something. And it's just like, I don't know. There's, it's just something magical. Like it, like there's nowhere else on earth like it. It's, it's amazing. I can't wait. I, I loved it. I think that the, what you're saying is so dead on the drive in there from Nashville or where you're coming from, I'm flying in, but um, I've driven into that, that little part of Lynchburg so many times. And there's just a, just a really, really special part of the world. Yeah. So special. And you talk about the brand and the culture and the people as a whole, seeing Kevin, the barrel man and going to the party on Saturday night and seeing Greg and, and seeing the whole team and, and everybody that helps out and all the employees that of the distillery there. And, you know, Josh and Lexi just released the new rise, both rye flavors and yeah. recipes, and they're going to be there. They've been in Ireland, you know, kicking it off in the, in the, in, in Europe. And, um, just being around them. I just got back from Sturgis a couple months ago with the nice. whole Jack team. And, um, just being around them it's just a just special like it's a special special brand so to be you know in your shoes right now and getting to compete in the jack it's got to be the ultimate right especially so you know four years into this and you're qualified for the most prestigious of all time yeah it's 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 a wild ride and you're absolutely right like i i'm fortunate enough to be invited into the Jack family. Like I know all those people that you're talking about and I'm, I'm so excited to see them just as I'm so excited to cook. Like another reason I love going back to Lynchburg. And I also know that, that they're excited for me. And so I can't wait for the party on Saturday at Kevin's house. Cause no matter what happens, it's just going to be, I'm going to have to bring them some barbecue. <laughs> it's just going to be, it's just going to be great to see all those, the, all those friends again. Wait, you're going to do, you'll bring some barbecue over to Kevin's party. I better. <laughs> will, will you save me some too if I come by your booth? Of course. I want to try some stuff. Absolutely. I got to try this brisket that you keep bragging on. Yeah, you bet. I want to try it. I love your confidence level. I, I, I do have a lot of aspirations to becoming better pitmaster. I, I feel like I can grill a steak pretty good and it's nowhere near my idea the way that I've done it. I've just kind of taken in all of these approaches and kind of melted yeah. pot my own, you know, manipulated into my own. But I, I love, I love talking to pitmasters because I don't really think that any pitmaster, including Tuffy or Brad or anybody could be like, Oh yeah, this is mine. This is my idea. Like it, it, I think there's a lot of, a lot of give and take in pitmaster and barbecuing and grilling that you, you hear this or see this or learn this and you just kind of apply apply them all and it does become your approach but there's just a lot of influence and inspiration in it to ever call it your own in my opinion yeah absolutely i mean from the start of barbecue i mean we it's definitely nothing anybody invented overnight it's it's something that's just grown and we take bits and pieces whether it's you know what woods we're cooking on how you're doing with live fire whether you're using a traeger you know i mean there's everybody's just got a different approach and and sometimes people mix and match. Sometimes people are starting over over live fire and cooking over wood and charcoal, and then sometimes they transfer it over to to a pellet grill to finish it. So yeah, there's there's just so much variety in there. But in the end, it's all about making good food that makes people happy. Do you still love eating barbecue? Not as much as I used to. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? How seeing it and smelling it and cooking every day, I'm just like, like like two bites of brisket and especially like a wagyu brisket or even wagyu steak. I'm like over it. Like in two bites, I'm like over it so fast. Now there is one 
there is one barbecue, which is the ribs, that I don't think I could ever get tired of. Like I could eat ribs like they're going, especially dry rub ribs that are that, mm-hmm. that are cooked right. Maybe a little sauce to dip them in. But we just have the we have the world championship, uh, the best in the West rib cook off here every September for Labor Day. You need to come cooking that and win that next year. Yeah. Okay, that sounds good. <laughs> That's a cool little deal. And I mean, the amount of money they were charging for a half rack and a full slab this year, uh-huh. I'm like... Was this up in Reno? Yeah, it's at the Nugget yeah. in Sparks. Yeah, that's right. Because I cooked in Sparks this year. Um, they had a KCBS comp up there, and they were telling me about that contest. Yep, that's right. Yeah, you need to come and do that one. But yeah, next time you're in Sparks cooking, we need to. I'd love to have you out to Duck Camp or duck, Goose Camp one time too, hunting camp, and and have you cook for the team and and throw down. I love learning and just seeing how you apply all these talents. But I appreciate you being on this life ain't for everybody. Yeah, you bet. Appreciate it. Which, Christy, this is, you know, brought to you by our title sponsor, Jack Daniels. Did you know that? That they uh, they bring everybody. This life ain't for everybody. <laughs> Enjoy it responsibly. Never allow underage drinking. I can't wait to try the new rise for Miss Lexi Phillips and her awesome husband, Josh. I've been drinking a little bit of the Triple Mash, which is absolutely next level whiskey, especially for the cost. The new Bonded is awesome. We just got our new barrel of Foul Life, our own personal barrel that we went to Lynchburg, Tennessee, and were able to participate in the, for the third year. Well, we had to do one of them over Zoom during the pandemic, but for three years in a row, we've been able to do a tasting and get to knowing the people down there and learning how to taste whiskey is an experience in itself. It's different than wine, and I'm so proud of the one we picked this year. It's got a great maple finish, a little vanilla. It's awesome on the tongue, and the way that you fill it down your throat, it's got a little bit of after afterburn. I love Jack Daniels. I love the brand, the culture, what they stand for. They support conservation, the outdoors. They support so many different avenues and walks of life. Jack Daniels, old number seven. Get to know him, Lynchburg, Tennessee. Another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. And you guys have been listening to Miss Christy Vanover. She is going to compete in her first Jack, the J-A-C-K Barbecue Championships, Lynchburg, Tennessee, every October. I can't wait to see you down there. I can't wait to see you on the podium holding up that barrel head, hopefully for a grand champion at your first ever Jack. Congratulations. We'll have you back on for part two right after it. Thank you for being here. Sounds good. Thanks. Talk to you soon. We're all equal, that's what I think. I don't believe heaven has a bank. Make good use of your time on earth and don't make a dollar bill all this world. Cause I'd rather be poor living off in a hole than rich as hell without a soul. Life on earth won't last too long, so what you gonna do? Money's all gone I'd rather be poor Living off in a hole Than rich as hell Without a soul Life on earth won't last that long What you gonna do When the money's all gone Say life on earth Won't last that long What you gonna do When the money's all gone